I was in the Catholic Church, I had a community there. I was in Narcotics Anonymous, I had a community there. I was involved with the Spirit Junkies, I had a community there. I searched for a place to belong. I searched for a tribe instead of becoming my own shaman. You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. This is episode seven, which is actually the final episode of season one. I must say, honestly, guys, that this has been such an amazing journey, and I have learned so much about how intense it is to run a podcast, to do interviews and the editing and the marketing. When you are a one-person show, this is serious work. Um, But I love it, and I'm so thankful that I've taken this time to try out this mini-series and to do this pilot season because it has really changed me for the better. And thank you so much for your feedback and your honesty and all of the love that you guys have been showing. It keeps pushing me forward. Speaking of which, don't stress, I will not be gone for very long because over this holiday season, over the next two months, I will be building up for a whole new, big, beautiful show. So season two will launch in January of 2020 with more frequent interviews, more frequent episodes, and a more diverse selection of topics. I've already started working on the show and I can guarantee you it is gonna be amazing. So let's get back on track, let's focus on today. Today's guest is the amazing, the wonderful, Dr. Tony Ortega. I have been so lucky to develop an amazing friendship with uh, Tony over the last year or so, and I'm really, really excited that I'm ending this season uh, by talking with him. So in this episode, we discussed how addiction, sobriety, and heartbreak eventually led Tony to his faith in comic book superheroes. Super cool topic. Dr. Tony is a first-generation Cuban-American. He is a speaker as well as an author, and he is a licensed clinical psychologist who has been in practice since 1992. He currently serves the LGBTQ community in his private practice located in Brooklyn, New York, where he combines cognitive behavioral techniques along with active coaching and some metaphysical principles. Like I said, he is an author. He has two self-help books. Uh, I have actually personally read the first book, Is He Here Yet? Being the person that you want to be with. I must say it is a game changer. Even as someone in a committed relationship, it really challenges you to learn about yourself and to show up to the table as you are in your relationships. His second book, Are You Here Yet? How to STFU and Show Up for Yourself, is soon to be released in 2020. Tony has also created his very first spiritual slash LGBTQ comic book, which is titled The Accords. Again, I do also own this and I have read it and it is such an amazing book. I highly recommend it. You can uh, get all that information in the episode notes below. And lastly, Tony is the creator behind the brand Be The One, where he helps people of all races, genders, and sexual orientations show up have real conversations, liberate themselves, and ultimately create the life that they've always wanted. I was a guest on his podcast, Be The One, so make sure that you go give that interview a listen when you are done listening here. With that said, grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, or a cup of whatever you want, because here is my conversation with Dr. Tony Ortega. So 
So before we get started, tell the listeners who you are, what you do, what's your thing. Uh, Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Tony Ortega. I am a licensed clinical psychologist by day, author extraordinaire by night and weekend, throw in a little bit of a comic book and sci-fi geek them in there with a diabetic cat and a high sex drive, and you've got me. That is probably the most perfect explanation that I have heard. There you go. I love that. Okay. Uh, um, so in the spirit of truth and honesty, we're going to play a quick game to let people get to know you a little better. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, and we're going to play a quick round of two truths and a lie. So okay. I'm sure you know the rules, but just in case for listeners, you're going to tell me two truths and a lie about yourself, and I have to guess what the lie is. Okay. Okay. Whenever <laughs> you're ready. This is scary because you know me way too well. I know. I'm actually really nervous that I'm going to get it wrong and then be... I, I'm, I'm praying you get it wrong. Um, okay. So um, I have sang live with actor John Barrowman. Um, I went to a sex party and chickened out before I took my clothes off. I worked as a bartender at a straight... Uh, male strip club. Interesting. Meaning that it is a strip club with women and you were a waiter there. And the guys stripping, the people stripping were men and they were all straight. Oh, okay. I understand. Hmm. You're right. This is actually really difficult. I'm going to say that the lie is the second one that you went to a sex party and chickened out before you took your clothes off. Oh, I can't believe you guessed that. Yes. Okay. And here's why I'm guessing that because I was like, there's two ways this could be a lie. It could be that he never went to a sex party or it could be that he didn't chicken out. And I was like, so either way I got is, is a lie. Yeah, because I was going to say, you know, the sex party being the lie, but then you're going to be like, I think I've, we just had this text message conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, fuck. That's super funny. And I didn't guess the first one if, because if I'm honest, I'm probably going to get judged for this. I don't know who that actor is. I'll but give you. You can tell me who he is and then explain how that happened. He is uh, best known for his character of Captain Jack. Uh, Harkness um, on Doctor Who and Torchwood. Okay. He was also Malcolm Merlin on the TV show Arrow. And he is also a Broadway uh, performer. He did The Producers and he's done Grease. He's done Hair, um, both in England and here in the United States. When you say The Arrow, is that the TV show about, is it The Green Arrow? Yes, sir. Okay. Which totally makes sense because you are a huge comic book fan, obviously, as I'm staring at you and your plethora of collection of like action figures and all sorts of stuff behind you. For the listeners that can't see it, it is a sight. Um, I love it. So tell me about your like fascination with the comic book world. When did that start? Oh, gosh. Uh, You know, I think the first thing I ever read I want to say was a comic book. I, you know, my, someone told my mom, so being the only boy in my family, I got all the pressure of being the best. Um, well, I wasn't the only boy till I was 20, but that's another story. Um, and so someone told my mom, if your kids are interested in reading, let them read whatever the hell they want. 
So little Tony, guess what he's reading? Comic books and the National Enquirer. I shit you not, my mother would buy me the National Enquirer because I love reading it. Yes. And that's where I fell in love with Marilyn Monroe and Judy Garland and all of these oldies. And, you know, then she questions, you know, when I came out to her, why I'm gay. Um, But, you know, when comic books came into my life, it was for me a gateway into forgetting how miserable my life was because, you know, we're talking the 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Being gay wasn't, uh, you know, something that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when, you know, a certain adult couples came around. They were usually referred to as the cousins, los primos or los primas, oh. um, but usually in quotations. So that was like our code for they're a gay couple, but we can't talk about it because being gay isn't cool kind of thing. Interesting. So that's how things were back then. But, you know, growing up in a Cuban Catholic household, being the only boy, being, you know, physically uncoordinated, because my mom put me in every single sport she fucking could. That's so funny. You know, lo and behold, failure. But get me home to read the latest issue of The Avengers, which is my first love, X-Men, Justice League, Legion of Superheroes. I was literally and figuratively transported into another world. And for those moments, I completely forgot, you know, that I really, like, fucking hated myself. And I was just scared Mm -hmm. to be who I was. Even though I didn't really know what that was, I didn't have the words for it because I was too scared to use the words I thought that, that, that it was. Comic books were always a place of solace and, and enjoyment and entertainment. And, you know, shit, yeah, of course I, you know, would think, you know, wouldn't it be cool to be a superhero? And, you know, many years later, I sort of am now, but that's a whole other story. Oh, we're about to get into that in just okay. a second. But I do want to ask you, because I realize after all of this time, because I've known you for, it feels like forever, but it's actually been, what, like half a year? It's been like six months. Uh, no, it's been a little longer, because you did my 12 by 12 before the beginning of the year. So. Oh, right, right. Let's, let's, let's say nine months. Okay. So I feel like I've known you for a really long time, and we've talked about a lot, but I don't think we've ever talked about, like, when did you actually start your, like, coming out process? True story. So um, I'm going to say this because maybe somebody needs to hear this. Um, one of the efforts that my mom made to butch me up was to put me in the gym. Mm. And there I met a man who would many weeks later uh, rape me. And I was 15. And I say the word rape now and I didn't back then because since I went willingly with whatever a willingly 15-year-old boy can you know, cognitively do. Yeah. Um, and that just threw me into a spiral of there is no motherfucking way that I am gay because this was a pretty horrific experience. Mm. It, it wasn't, I wouldn't, it was, there was no violence, no bruising, no anything, but the actual act was just so fucking violent. Right. That I just retreated further and further into the closet until I finally lost my virginity to a woman when I was 18 or 19. And so I was basically living as a heterosexual man for the next 10 years. Um, I had girlfriends, I dated, I lusted after women, but at home I would, uh, you know, kind of fantasize about having sex with 
I, I can't even tell you the TV reference because you're too young. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. You you never know. Uh, Patrick Ewing on Dallas. Uh, what's his right. name? It was a shot in the dark. It was a good try. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, the Chips guys, you know, the guys in the motorcycle. Um, they were kind of hot back in the day. Starsky and Hutch. Okay, I know them. Not the movie, the TV show. I know the originals. Okay, thank you. Um, so in, in the interim, um, I would, so, oh, so I'm living as a heterosexual man and in comes drugs. Mm. And I, I literally felt like Superman because, you know, drugs were just so empowering and they came with this circle of friends. I'm using air quotations. Um, uh, you know, I, I came from a, I'm not going to say wealthy family, but you know, I never had any money issues. And so, you know, guess who always bought the drugs? Me. And um, so then I did get sober for a while. Like I stopped using my drug of choice, which was cocaine. Um, Stayed sober for a period of time. But then um, whenever I did drink, that's when I would have sexual acts with men. So in my head, it was as long as I don't drink, I'm not going to suck a dick, right? Because I'm still living with the fear of, oh, I didn't tell you this story. Um, my father at the age of 12, he owned a beauty supply distributing company. Okay. And there was this hairdresser by the name of Kenny, lovely guy, just so like typical 70s dude with the mustache and the long layered hair. And um, he, t- my dad took me in the back and he goes, you know who that is, right? And I go, yeah, dad, that's Kenny. Everyone knows Kenny because, you know, Kenny was very popular at the shop. And he was like, no, 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 but he's a homosexual. Uh, and I was like, it, I didn't know the word because the only word I knew was maricón in right. Spanish because I heard it all my life. Um, and I'm like, what's that? He goes, oh, that's a man who sleeps with other men. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you know, that's a mental illness, right? So hearing that at the age of 12 from my father, who did not say this maliciously, I know this. This is his shit, right? Right. Um, I mean, I lived with that for so many years. So fast forward to about 1998, probably when you were born. (gasps) How dare you? I was already six. Oh, okay. Uh, Come 1998, uh, my father dies suddenly of a heart attack, like literally Mm. from night to day. And, you know, losing a parent is one of those life events that alters you in a way that you're just, you're not the same, Mm -hmm. you're not the same. And about a year later, well, I'm sure you know about this being a Floridian, um, uh, you know, I went to gay days in Orlando. Uh I've never been, but only because I don't like the traffic that it brings being a Floridian. (laughs) Yeah, oh, exactly, exactly. And it was a Saturday night in first weekend of June. I was at the nightclub eight tracks because I'm an eighties freak. Um, and all of a sudden you're going to laugh and that's okay. Dancing queen comes on by ABBA. And all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, I'm gay. Cause I'm <laughs> on the stage waving my hands. Dancing queen. I told you we were going to laugh. And then this gorgeous man, blonde hair, blue eyed, by the name of Billy from Jacksonville, comes up and, and the guy's like jacked. He's like got a gorgeous body. And he plants this long, passionate kiss in the middle of Dancing Queen. And I was like, I have arrived. 
That is hysterical. I almost spit out my water. I took the worst moment to take a sip of water. <laughs> but that is straight up a scene out of Queer as Folk. Like yep. the dancing, I, I imagined the lights. I imagined like the perfect moment. It does the like fast zoom in on you. If you ever watch Queer as Folk, that's a perfect reference. You're welcome. Um, and like I under, I was there. I was in the moment. Well, I think the dance floor is like Saturday Night Fever. And so when is this? I feel like I got a little lost in timeline. June 1999. So this is way past. We moved on. Obviously, you weren't dating women because you're at Gay Days. You went through your drug and sober moment, and then we were... And, and, oh, and this is during my sober moment. So I was able to, you know, with the help of my friends in, in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, you know, I had that unconditional support. Uh, and then, like, when I came back and announced it, they were like, yeah, you apparently were the only one that didn't know this because we all knew. And mm. I was like, fuck all you people. <laughs> that is so funny. There's always that moment. And actually, it always kind of bothers me a little bit when people tell me, people say, oh, you know, their their first response was, we've always known, or like, how did you not know? Or did you think we didn't know? Because people always say that's kind of like, it takes away that space of like, you get to come out, but it's also super comforting. So I'm kind of on both sides of it, of like, thanks for sharing, but also just let me have my moment. <laughs> exactly. Can I just please have my Oscar-winning speech moment? At least fake a surprise. Thank you. Um, so after that, where... Does the whole spirituality part of your life kick in? Because I know, again, I don't really know timeline super well. Where do you stumble across? I think part of your journey came in with like Gabby Bernstein and the spirit journey thing. Is that too far ahead? That is so far ahead. Okay, so rewind. Where does that start? To about 2013. Okay, I definitely skipped too far ahead. So (laughs) rewind. Where does that journey start for you? So I'm sober, I'm gay, I have a, my first boyfriend, it's great. Um, then I have my second boyfriend in 2004, I'm, I'm seven years sober in Narcotics Anonymous, and in walks this tall glass of water that looks just like Ricky Martin, honey. Um, and he was young and gorgeous and emotionally unavailable, and I needed to make him mine. Mm. That's how every great story starts. Oh, and guess where I met him? Gay Days Orlando. I'm just kidding. No, honey. He was, <laughs> he was still in rehab. Oh, this is one of those stories. No, yes. So, you know, I leave him my number and, um, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to be here for a while. I'm like, hey, cool. You know, hit me up when it, maybe I'll see you at a meeting or something. And the first rule in a 12-step program is that you don't hit on a newcomer. Hmm. Um, for very good reasons. <laughs> and so he gets out, we meet up, we, we fall passionately in love. Um, I mean, the, 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 the love he showed me was just so amazing. Um, the sex was fucking mind blowing and I'm still pretty new in the gay world, you know, cause I wasn't whoring around in the beginning. And, um, and I say whoring as an adjective, not as a judgment call because, Certainly, I have been, you know, Blanche Devereaux many times throughout my <laughs> there is life. no judgment. So come to find out that he had his hearing for his DUI. And when he won that hearing, um, he was like, oh, well, time to go back to drinking. And literally, he was one of these people 
a drop of alcohol literally transformed him into Mr. Hyde. Mm. He literally became another person. Um, I was losing my cushy corporate job at the time because the office was closing. I was losing him. I was losing my friends because I'm dating. I'm in a relationship with someone who's using. And so that day I decided, well, it's time to have a drink again. Not good. Uh, not a good idea. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Him and I stopped speaking to each other after he basically kicked me in the eye with a cowboy boot and I smashed one of his windows with a baseball bat. All right. So oh. that one went out with a bang. Yeah. Crowbar. Not a baseball bat. Crowbar. And I went to the ER because it was bleeding like fuck. And I was praying for a scar. And she's like, oh, my God, it's great. No, it's not even going to leave a scar. I'm like, fuck all this. And I'm not even going to get a scar to, like, look butch or anything. Okay, like, but looking back, you're probably like, thank God I didn't leave a scar because, <laughs> like. It was just, like, on the eyebrow. So it would have looked like those, um, those uh, fade lines that they do on people. Oh, I was picturing, like, Tyrion in Game of Thrones. Oh, no, honey. It wasn't like, that whole dramatic. face. <laughs> it wasn't that dramatic. Uh, no, that I would have been pissed about. I just wanted a little scar to look butch. Okay. So uh, you leave the ER. <laughs> I, so, well, I could collapse the next four years quite easily. It was just a, the, one of the darkest periods of my life where, um, you know, I had lost this job, lost my friends, lost this relationship, lost my dignity. Mm. And um, it was just a cycle of getting high, getting drunk, getting high, getting drunk um, until I was finishing my, uh, I finished my doctorate, came up here to New York for my internship. Um, you know, just more, more bad news, more heartache, more, just more shit. The only thing that was going well was fuck, you know, I graduated with a PhD and I'm working in a successful firm. Uh, things are going great, but I was drinking a bottle of wine a night, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and weighing about 220 pounds. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so on the outside, you would have thought, okay, yeah, he's getting a little fat and ashen, but his life is good. Yeah. And then in walks another tall glass of water. <laughs> In August of 2008, by the name of Felipe, uh, this gorgeous Dominican. Um, but, oh my God, guess what? He's a substance abuser, too. Oh, and, the doesn't have a, and he doesn't have a job. Oh. So guess who is, you know, kind of supporting him? Funding. Got it. Needless to say, there is no God, there is no spirituality, there is nothing. Uh, you know, I turned my will in my life over to the care of a penis greater than myself at that point. Mm. And I, you know, and I joke a lot about it, but, you know, it's, it was probably the darkest, darkest, darkest period of my life. Dang. And so one day, it was a Friday night, November 2nd, I always look at my arm, that's the tattoo of my arm, by the way. Oh, I always wondered what those numbers were. November 2nd, 2012. Um, we had just had sex and dinner, not at the same time. I was half drunk on frozen margaritas. Um, I had given him some money, of course. So I'm back home in Brooklyn, half drunk on the toilet. And he texts me. He goes, you shorted me 40, bu 40 bucks. And I was like, uh, oh, sorry, accident. You know, I was being very flippant because I was like half drunk. And he's like, you know, so we're like, and I'm like, but, you know, look at all the things I do for you. He goes, I don't like the way this conversation is going. I go, you know what? Neither do I. And at that moment, I just turned off my phone, took a last drag, threw it in the toilet and said, 
I have believed in many gods throughout my life through the Catholic Church. I was a born-again Christian for a while, if you can believe that. And then higher power consciousness through the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. And so I knew that there was something there. And I just said, whatever's out there, something's got to give. Because I am fucking miserable again, and I cannot live like this anymore. Mm. God showed up through um, this lovely, lovely, lovely gentleman by the name of Gio, who was friends with Felipe. So, you know, in my sick little mind, I'm like, I'm going to use Gio to get Felipe for jealous. <laughs> and Gio's like, no, 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 honey, we're not going to have any of that here. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm here for. So he starts talking to me about juicing and meditating. I go, I am Cuban. No. Juicing and meditating. I'm Cuban. We don't do either of those things. Exactly. The only juice we do is the sugar cane. I forget what the name of it is now, but that's very popular in Miami. Probably parts around where you're at. That's so funny. But see, and this is where the gift of desperation comes in. Because I was willing to stand on my head and recite the national anthem if it was going to make me feel better. Mm. So I'm following along and I'm like, you know, and, and this guy, he's just showing such, you know, great friendship and love and support and not expecting a thing in return. And um, I, then I, I first did, I, so I started going to Unity Church here in New York, which was a great experience. It's just so far for me. It's literally about an hour and 15 minute commute. And so it's just, it's a Unity Church. It's like a non-denominational, well, they'll, well, they'll quote the Bible or the Bhagavad Gita or okay. one sermon was about the Wizard of Oz. Okay. So it's like a universal. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And that was lovely. I went with him and I also did Landmark. I don't know if uh, the listeners are familiar. Um, I am not endorsing or recommending it. I needed it at the time. I have no connection or affiliation with them at all because I just don't like their business, the business end. I don't like what they do. I have no idea what it is. So you're not convincing me of anything. (laughs) Honey, if you're familiar with Tony Robbins, it's very, it's very similar. Okay. Very, very similar. And in the meantime, so Gio meets uh, Marianne Williamson when she's doing her book signing for Law of Divine Compensation. And I remembered her from a lecture I listened to on a cassette tape um, back in 2004 after my relationship with the Ricky Martin lookalike, where she said, no relationship is a failure. As long as you learn something from the last relationship that you could then apply to a future relationship to make it better, the former relationship served its purpose. I'm like, bitch, you crazy. And I just never listened to her again. That was the best Marianne Williamson impersonation, by the way, the soft voice and everything. <laughs> but continue. <laughs> so, but I remembered her. I remembered her name. And I remember Course in Miracles when she would talk about it. So Gio's here meeting Marianne Williamson. So I went and bought a copy of The Law of Divine Compensation. Um, and I read it and I was like, wow, this is really fucking good. And then I picked up a return to love, which is what she calls the cliff notes of uh, A Course of Miracles. Okay. Um, which is an amazing book. And so then I said, well, if I just read the cliff notes, let me, you know, let me have the real thing. And in a period of about, I want to say six or nine months, I finished the main text of A Course of Miracles. It took me that long because Good it's very for dense. You. I mean, I have been working on it for years and I'm like, you know, chapter three. Oh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's dense. It's, it's not easy. But what I loved about the course was it was like someone took the Bible and modernized it. Mm-hmm. 
That's the way I see Course in Miracles and made it applicable to someone living today in, in, in 2019. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that to a coworker, a former coworker, and she's like, oh, have you ever heard of Gabby Bernstein? I'm like, who's that? And um, she's like, oh, she's a Course in Miracles teacher too. So I look her up. And so I see her original book cover for Spirit Junkie, where she's wearing this god-awful dress with a smiley face <laughs> up against a graffitied wall, which is clearly Williamsburg. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Why am I going to go for Diet Coke when Marianne Williamson is Coca-Cola, honey? That's so funny. I was like, no, I'm not having any of this. And so then Hay House was having a summit where for like $125, you heard 25 speakers. And I heard Gabby speak. I'm like, well, I paid for it. I might as well listen to it. Mm -hmm. And I was quite impressed with what she had to say. Um, This is about 2013. And... I was like, cool. And then they had the Hay House, I Can Do It here in New York, where I met Louise Hay, God rest her soul. Uh, uh, Wayne Dyer, God rest his soul. Um, and uh, Doreen Virtue, God, God rest her soul. <laughs> God rest her soul. And Gabby Bernstein. And so we connected on so many levels. And then uh, I went to her book signing for Miracles Now. And then I went to her Spirit Junkie Masterclass. And I found a lot of really great things, which was a community that accepted me, Mm -hmm. a community that a lot of us were just as fucked up as I was, right? Mm -hmm. A community that didn't judge me, a community that I belonged. And I'm still very, very good friends with my original crew from Spirit Junkie Masterclass. Um, We we have this bond because we were the first alumni of, of that class. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so at that point I did her level two up at Kripalu and, uh, then became one of her coaches. So I was like, I have arrived, you know, and it was, it was just such a lovely experience. And then, um, I met my latest ex throughout the course of working on myself, doing a lot of the work that I talk about in my first book, Is He Here Yet? And sadly, so I go from drug addict and emotionally unavailable, unemployed to narcissist. I graduated. All right. So we're moving on up. Yeah. So, you know, cool. You know, um, you know, he didn't have a substance problem, but boy, he didn't give a shit about anybody but himself. Yeah. He was addicted to himself. Exactly. So that ended 69 days later, ironically. (laughs) The irony of it does not escape me. At the same time, I'm having this family estate issue um, where, at this point, half my family and I don't speak. Mm. And I don't know that we ever will. Right. Um, Because I was the administrator and I was the one with the career and the money. And I was constantly shamed of, well, you need to loan us money before this estate settles. Because without this money, I'm nothing. And you're, you know, not everyone could be a psychologist, Tony. And I also started seeing a shift in... Uh, the, the, not the actual content of Gabby's message, which I still think is very, very good, but the delivery of it. Mm. So what I'm seeing now, and not in my graduating class, but with this new crew of spirit junkies, they're now becoming coaches Mm. and selling courses and da, 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 da. And shaming people, spiritually bypassing, um, love and light, using law of attraction in all the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, no, pump the brakes, honey. Um, And that's when I just was like, okay, I got to leave this community. So 
it was really disheartening because, you know, I was in the Catholic Church. I had a community there. I was in Narcotics Anonymous. I had a community there. I was involved with drug culture. I had a community there. I was involved with the spirit junkies. I had a community there. All of these places, I felt like I belonged. Right. And now it's like, what do I belong to? And I was thinking prior to coming on was, you know, I searched for a place to belong. I searched for a tribe instead of becoming my own shaman. Hmm. That's and, beautiful. You know, and that's really like the, you know, an overarching theme on both of my books is being the person you want to be with, being your own superhero, um, you know, stop relying on external sources to validate you, to give you existence. Um, and so that brings us to today. I don't know if I stayed on track, but. You totally did. I have um, one question and. I think you're about to answer it anyway, is so that whole time, uh, it kind of sounded almost like you were following like these paths. People were saying, oh, do juicing and meditation. Oh, try this church. Oh, read this book. Oh, take this spirit junkie course. Throughout all of that, do you feel like you ever really established like your own, I'll call it like belief structure during that time? Or do you think that it didn't really happen until after you came out of it and were kind of like, okay, now that I'm out of these communities, what do I do? That's, that's a really interesting story. So two very, I think I had my belief system, my, the foundation of my belief system in place. Mm -hmm. I just didn't believe that I could believe in it. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So um, when I was in 12-step fellowship, um, I was working on my second step, which is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And my assignment from my sponsor at the time was, well, if you could create your own higher power, what would he be or he or she or it be? Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, I'm going to get struck down by lightning because how dare I create my own God? Right. And so I'm journaling like a good little recovering person and all of a sudden, my God would be, my higher power would be my superhero. And then I write Superman. And I was like, well, fuck, that makes total sense to me. So, you know, it was like this whole, like, you know, conceptualizing God, universe, source as Superman. Fast forward many years later, um, I was talking to a good friend of mine, Samuel Jones, and like yourself, young, incredibly wise, incredibly connected to source. Um, Did you say like me? I don't know who you're yeah. talking about. Continue. Girl, girl please. You, <laughs> stop, stop being so modest. What? Me? As he flips his hair. <laughs> um, and we were talking, and I was like downing myself, you know, something I do chronically. And um, I was like, you know, I spend more time reading comic books than like stuff like the Bhagavad Gita and shit. And she's like, and he's like, Tony, have you ever thought that maybe spirit talks to you through your comic books? I was like, so, so now, you know, kind of bringing it all to present moment, you know, um, creating this comic book of chakra based superheroes with superpowers. Called. The Accords. Just plug it. Plug it right yeah, away. The Accords. Um, you could check out theaccordscomicbook.com. And it'll also be available on Amazon and comics with an Xology.com. And it's a, it's a story of LGBT and heterosexual characters who develop these powers to right the social injustices in present-day America. 
And it's just been such a journey to live with these characters, create these characters, give them life, tell their stories, which, you know, a little bit of my story is in each of these seven characters. Mm. And, you know, that to me, this feels like, this is how Source shows up to me. Um, my altar is a combination of Ganesh, Buddha, Jean Grey, Captain Marvel, uh, you know, all of the great Doreen Virtue decks from the past, you know, and all of that in crystals. So people get a vibe as to who I am. So now you've written your comic books, right? You have two issues that you've written. Yes. You're working on future future issues correct yes I, yes I was just plotting out issue number three the other day so I have a question for you and I don't know if you're willing to share but if you are feel free to share okay so I follow you on Instagram if people don't follow you on Instagram they should go pause the episode go do it right now and every night you share a picture of your tarot poll right and yes. in the background there are pictures of what look like superheroes yes I know who those superheroes are, but would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Really? So the one on the left is a, uh, so they're all done by the artist on my comic book, uh, Alex Garcia. If you guys like really good comic book art, go to the art of Alex Garcia on Facebook and Instagram. You'll love it. So the one on the left is my Ascended Masters team, my Angels and Ascended Masters team. So you have Archangel Raphael, you have Archangel Michael. He's shirtless with a big spear, of course. <laughs> and then Isis and uh, my guardian angel that came to me in a meditation at uh, uh, one of Gabby Bernstein's events. Think Zoe Zeldan with gold armor and wings. That's what she looks like. She's, She's one of my favorites. I love that picture. Yes. Um, Ganesh, who looks like very juggernaut from the X-Men. And Kuan Yi, who's got this very Storm X-Men feel to her. And in the middle is Haniel, who came to me in a meditation as a very gender non-conforming individual. Interesting. I never knew that that's who was in the middle there. That is Archangel Haniel. And so you have all of these on your, I'm going to call it like an altar space. Yes, my altar space. So that's picture on the left. Picture on the right, um, I worked with uh, Andrew, somebody else y'all need to follow. Mm -hmm. and um, doing this angel work and angel meditation, and these two guardian angels showed up, and they were both wearing robes, and in my meditation, I was like, yo, no, this robe shit's not going to work for me. <laughs> no, this is that Catholic stuff. And they're like, okay, cool. So one's dressed like Mercury, like the god Mercury, or Herms, Hermes. Yes, yes. Okay, Hermes. He's got this very Hermes look to him, and the other one's like this very Xena warrior princess bitch. Um, so I was like, okay, that I could work with guys. Thank you. And it's funny because sometimes when the male guardian angel in meditation shows up, he's like running around and I'm like, would you stop fucking running around? What is the meaning of you running around all the time? That's so funny. It's because you man. dressed him like Mercury, like Hermes. Basically. Mm -hmm. The one on the floor was, again, a lot of these came to me in meditation. Um, it's, uh, like my inner shaman and, um, it's this, you know, kind of like, you know, not overly muscular, but really like, you know, built uh, with this weird spear that I designed or uh, staff. Um, I have him butt naked because I'm very, I like to think I'm very sex and body positive. So I have no problem showing nudity. Go for it. If that's how your guides show up, that's how they show up. Uh, honey, he was naked as the day I was born. <laughs> 
Um, you know, and so that's the one that's kind of like in the middle. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's for me making that transition and making and allowing source and spirit to show up in this very comic book sci-fi way helps me connect to it so much more. Um, so your comic book spirituality is a really big part of what you do. Yes. What would you say is kind of like your day-to-day spiritual practice now? What does that look like? So in the morning, you know, I, some mornings I, I could go deeper into meditation. Some mornings I just don't, and I don't judge myself for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do grab these two selenite cylinders. I love working with selenite. And at the very least, breathe. Okay. Sometimes I just start calling in like either the team members of the Accords or some of my spirit guides, call them in, set an intention. And that's, you know, first couple of you know, three, five, ten minutes. Um, then I pull a card, which you see every day. Right. And kind of think to myself, you know, give my little brief interpretation of what it means to me before I used to be scared of doing that because I am not the tarot expert you are. <laughs> um, and I'm always fearful of like, that's not what the card means, not from you, but from other people. <laughs> Um, but I'm like, fuck it. This is what the card means to me. Yeah. I, that's how I actually learned tarot. I am probably the worst example. Sometimes people ask me what a certain card means and I say, uh, this isn't textbook, but here's what I have always interpreted as. Well, here's what's funny right now. I'm using a game of Thrones tarot deck. Yeah. See, and then once you start throwing in things like that, you are associated with the show and like your mind goes in a hole. You do what you want to do. So you pull a card. Yeah, I pull a card, you know, post my meaning. Um, I read an affirmation right now. It used, it used to be a workbook lesson from A Course in Miracles, but I've already done it like two, almost three times. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I need to put course down for a little bit because I have been a fairly good student of it for a good three, four years. I need to okay. put it down for a little bit. Um, so right now I have this uh, affirmation or reflection book by Shaq. Gawan, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Um, Reflections in the Light, I think it's called. People ask me the title all the time. I'm really a horrible person. That's okay. Uh, um, Part of my spiritual practice is exercise. I exercise every morning, you know, and and for me, you know, and and I literally, you know, because I'm still a drinker, for those of you who are curious as to where my sobriety status is, I have not touched any other substances in centuries. Uh, but I like my liquor. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I like my health and fitness so much better. So even if I'm uh, slightly hungover, I am at the gym at the very least half an hour of some sort of physical activity. I feel that's part of my spiritual practice because it clears my head. It make it almost prepares my vessel, so to speak for the day to come. And so I go about my day. So sometimes, you know, I get lost and you and I have talked about this because my life gets really, really busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get to the office at 10.30, I leave around 7 o'clock, and sometimes it's back-to-back clients, except for my lunch break. It's, it, I sometimes get really, really lost in being mindful sometimes. And so fortunately, like where I sit, I surround myself with crystals and stuff like that and oils. And so I could just grab onto something in the middle of a session. And my clients know that I'm a weirdo, that I'll grab a crystal out of nowhere uh, and just kind of like, you know, play with it and stuff like that. So um, there's that. And then in the evening, it's a little bit of journaling. And I pull uh, cards again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I go to sleep reading comic books. 
because it's my way of disconnecting from the physical world and connecting to a different world. It's a different headspace that I'm in. And, you know, I'm just going to say this out loud for me, reading comic books is part of my spiritual practice. I get it. Like that whole time, those comic book characters were almost like whispering to you in the background, like, hello, we're right here. Pay attention to me. Um, it just makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And it's almost like if, if y'all haven't read um, The Alchemist, it tells a very similar story. It was right here all the time. Oh my God, read it. It's such a fun book to read. Okay. And it's, and it's not complicated at all. It's not heady. Um, it's just a cute story by Paul Cogelio. Co- I always want to say Cornholio because I was a huge Beavis and Butthead <laughs> fan. <laughs> but it's Cogelio, Cornelio, something like that. The Alchemist. The Alchemist. Very, very popular book. Noted. So if you had to like sum up your entire story, right? And pull out one truth that is like, people need to know this. What would you say is like the best piece of advice you can give to people who are searching for clarity or looking for some type of direction towards truth? You know, I got to bring it back to me and it's like, you know, we are always our own superhero. We, we don't need somebody else or something external from, uh, from, apart from us to tell us that. Now, sometimes, and I always, I always tell my clients this, even Superman needs the help of the Justice League. Mm. You know, so certainly relying on the Wonder Woman and the Batman and the Aquaman of your team is, is great, but you stand alone as Superman or Supergirl or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't need anybody else to tell you that you just need to know that. And you just need to reach in and put on that motherfucking cape and just, you know, kill it. You have, you have everything you need already. You just got to go in and get it out. You got to uncover that superpower. Mm -hmm. Just like my seven people did (laughs) be your own superhero. So if people would like to find you on the internet, on the interwebs, in the vast world out there, how would be the best way for them to find you? Easiest way, Dr. Tony Ortega, D-R, not, don't spell out the word doctor. <laughs> um, my website is drtonyortega.com. My Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook is Dr. Tony Ortega. You can't miss it. If you come across a Tony Ortega from Scientology, that is not me. Not the one connected to Scientology. Got yeah. it. Yeah. That's not me. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you and chat with you. Um, do you have any other closing thoughts or anything before I let you go? No, I'm just surprised that like your head didn't spin during parts of the story or your, you know. <laughs> Listen, I have heard it all at like you have opened my world to like so many things. And honestly, I appreciate you for it. <laughs> It only made me a better person. I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, y'all, that was my conversation with Dr. Tony Ortega. I would like to emphasize again, honestly, how much my life has changed in a positive direction since meeting Tony about a year ago. This last year of friendship has been unexplainably beautiful. If you want to learn more about the innumerable and amazing things that Tony does, please make sure that you follow him on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Dr. Tony Ortega, or check out his website, www.drtonyortega.com. 
While you're out there clicking follow buttons, also make sure that you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find me at The Diviner Life. With this season one of Let's Be Omnist coming to a close, I want to remind you to please subscribe wherever it is you listen in from. That way, when season two launches, you will be the first to be notified. Once you've clicked subscribe, take a moment to share Let's Be Omnist with your friends, your family, your therapist, your followers, or whoever else you come in contact with today. Please don't forget, I truly do love you and I appreciate you. And until next season, be true, be you, be omnist.